Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, family. We doing okay? Good. Packed house here at the 10 o'clock, man. Thankful that you are here. Uh, in this place, man, we got a lot of work to do today. And so a uh, little small talk, but I do want to tell you uh, something really briefly. Uh, you're going to, so listen, if, if you're the one, like you already established, like as soon as I say in Jesus' name, amen, like you got to get to the golden corral from here. Like this, you're already thinking like, I'm going to tell you, I'd hold up. I would hold up. Don't leave early. There's a special after today. It's funny, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. And so uh, you'll want to stay present to see what's going to happen afterwards. So I do want to tell you really quickly about the Jesus birthday offering that we do every year if you're new to Victory Family Church. So across all of our campuses, uh, the offering that will be taken up on December 18th and at our Christmas Eve experiences All of that money, 100% of that money, will go to the mission organizations that we support. And so when you walk out of here, next week we'll probably put them on the chairs, but when you walk out of here, there's a little uh, flyer on the Next Steps desk that'll pick up, and you can kind of see all the things that we do and where we give the money to. So we raise money for those missions throughout the year. So uh, we always, as a church, say we're giving 10% to missions. I think this year we're about 17%. Uh, So we're always moving up. We just don't know uh, what's going to happen. So uh, we didn't know hurricane was going to happen this year. So we gave more money than we anticipated. So we kind of outline, hey, we're giving money here, here, and here. And so just something we want to give you kind of a a heads up, uh, just to kind of pray about and decide before you come and say, man, us and our family may want to give X dollars uh, to this mission organization or how however you and the Lord and and your family sees fit. Well, let's go to work. We got to finish up this series today on the Holy Spirit. And so if you got your Bibles, turn in them first to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you probably don't have a bookmark, but if you use your finger, maybe just have your finger there and then turn over to John chapter seven. I want to continue to encourage you, bring your Bibles because I mean, today's a day, there's a lot of text. So I want to make sure you go back and I don't have anywhere near enough time. I need 45 and I've got 27. So you'll want to take this home and kind of massage this around and seek the Lord. And what is he saying to me in this text? Well, John chapter seven, starting at verse 37 says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart, here it is, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. As yet, the spirit had not been given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he says, out of the heart flows rivers of living water. So what comes to your mind when you think about rivers? So for me, I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life. And so I just think about the Illinois River every time. Like if you say rivers, I go to the Illinois River. So how many of you guys floated the Illinois River before? You ever done that? I don't know. The verdict's still out for me. I've been multiple times and I still don't know if I want to go if you invite me. Like, I don't know if sometimes it's fun. Like I've been where, where times, so you get there, you can pick a canoe. I don't know why you would do that. You can pick a raft though, like a huge raft and you can float down the river. And there's been times we've gone uh, with groups or even as a family where it hadn't rained in a long time. And it's like a work. It's just like it's a workout. I know it's coming to do a workout. So we're trying to have some fun here. But there's also been times where it's rained a whole lot and it's just chill time. Like it's the Oklahoma Rapids. I mean, you just get on down the, the river. But I've been multiple times uh, on different occasions. But when I hear 
the word river, like I just immediately think about a group of friends uh, on this big raft uh, getting a horrific sunburn. Like that's just what I think about when I think about the river, which honestly couldn't be further from what these people hearing this would have thought about. So here's a spoiler alert. The Bible was not written in or even around Tahlequah. You guys all right with that? Like it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was written and took place largely in part to what we would know today as the Middle East. So rivers for people of that day in this location, they were not recreational. They were simply not a place for you to enjoy a a Saturday afternoon with some friends. Rivers were everything. Cities, in fact, were built on rivers. Communities thrived along the banks of the rivers because wherever the river flowed, that's where life was given. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, the Israelites, which are God's people, were living under the oppression of the Babylonian Empire. And this is where a time where God looks down and sees his people hurting. In a time where they've been kind of stripped from their home and forced to live in exile in a foreign land. In a time, I'm just guessing here, they probably had given up hope. Like they probably had lost hope. In this time, God then breathed life through the soul, through a vision that he gave to the prophet Ezekiel. So, so Ezekiel has this vision that God gave him, and it's a vision of a river. And so Ezekiel 47 tells us that the river flowed from the temple. The temple at that time was the place of God's presence. So before we have the Holy Spirit imparted to us, the presence of God dwelt in the temple, not in the hearts of you and I. So the river flowed out of this temple, And flowed to the Dead Sea, bringing life all the way along the way. So trees grew along the river. So all types of living creatures found home in or near the river. Let's read that text. So Ezekiel 47, 12 says, And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. So again, it's a vision. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for healing. So in one of the most desperate, disappointing seasons in history of Israel, God shows up and says, listen, you may be hurting today. You very well could be living in Babylon today. You may feel dead today, but a time is coming. Like it's on its way when a river will flow from the place of God's presence and a river that's going to change everything and bring life to a very, very dark world. So in fact, the prophecy was such kind of monumental moment for them in Israel's history that every single year they would reenact this prophecy on the final day of the Jewish festival that is the Feast of the Tabernacle. So they would reenact this. It would become the river. So I actually need some help, some volunteers. We're going to do a little little lesson here today. Uh, Gabe, why don't you, will you come, will you come really quick? Uh, Jane, you come too. So both of y'all come if you wouldn't mind. And so... Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I'll leave that there. So what I need, I need uh, one of you to be Jesus. Uh, not a lot of, pr- I, I'm going to pick her. I, mean, I think I should pick her, Gabe. I, I know. So what do you do? Turn that mic on, flip that mic on, and then walk to the back of uh, maybe the prayer area. You can go back there. And so just so you know what you're going, you're going to look at John 7, 37 through 38. Don't worry. It's page 839. 
Even if you know the Bible, I get stressed. I'm trying to find something in the Bible when y'all are looking at me. And so, so basically, uh, you'll be Jesus, and you'll take the Bible. You're going to read uh, this when I tell you to. When I give you a cue, I want you to stand up, Jada, and you're going to read that scripture. Second person, come up on the steps. So here we are. Uh, every year at the final, we'll be at the, t- the temple. The, I don't know if they look the same, but those are the steps. They're just, it's another one of these steps. So he's on the steps of the temple, and you're going to need a pitcher of water. Be careful. It's not full, actually, at all. I, I didn't want to get water all over the stage, and so he's just going to act like he's going to pour this out. And because there's no water in there, what I need to happen is I need you people, the people of God here, I need you to be the water. So we're going to try the, the sound of water on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Is that wind? Like, I said water. That's good. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. But also, I want you to stop making that noise when Jesus begins to talk because he's kind of a big deal, right? You ready? Okay. So in the early century, again, remember, so they're reenacting this prophecy from Ezekiel 47. They came together to remember how God evidently brought them out of exile, but also to look forward. Like they're going to come celebrate. Let's go around the temple. Let's celebrate the day when God's power, God's presence would flow like a river and bring life to the world that's around them. So in this setting, the temple leaders begin to pour water down the temple stairs. Water flowing like a river. Then Jesus stood up and said. <laughs> what? No, I just told her she's got it. No, you didn't say it. What? Oh my gosh, what? What chapter was it? I'm so sorry. John said it's <laughs> highlighted. John said, page 839. Just the page is highlighted. The text isn't highlighted? Oh, it's 840. Oh, I guess on the page. It's my fault. I run the whole illustration. This one. <laughs> That's my fault. I thought okay. you were Jesus. Okay. You would know where I was at. I'm ready. <laughs> it's my fault. It's totally my fault. <laughs> okay. Okay, go ahead. If anyone thirsts, let him come for me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the next part, verse 39, says, by this he meant the Spirit. So again, today we're finishing up this series on the Holy Spirit. And listen, the beauty of the Holy Spirit is this, that the river of God's love his mercy, his power, his forgiveness, his healing, his grace no longer flows from a location, but it flows from you. It flows from us. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. I'm so sorry I messed you up there, Jada. So the Holy Spirit is a person, but also kind of depicted here as the river. So as far as this series, you haven't been here, we have already looked at the invitation of that river to come for the Holy Spirit to come. So are you thirsty? Well, then come and drink from the water. Are you tired? Come and experience his peace on the banks of the river. Are you hurting? Well, then come and wade in the waters and let God's healing presence surround you. So today, as we talk briefly about the gifts of the Spirit, I want us to turn our our attention to the other invitation of the river to become to actually participate in what the river is doing, to join kind of the current of the river, to bring life to barren places, to bring hope 
to hopeless situations, to bring creation to places that have died. And, and that is the primary way that God does that. And God flows through us. Not always, but the primary way that God flows through us are what we call spiritual gifts. So the gifts of the Spirit. So let's talk about those gifts. You'll see a slide behind me. That you'll, this, this is spiritual gift. So you see this in four different passages that are all connected. They are similar, but not exactly the same if you see those lists. So if you look at Romans 12, if you'll see, gives us those seven different gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, very similar to one another, but seem to speak of various roles on kind of how those gifts ought to play. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 7, which is the main passage we will look at today, Many theologians, guys that are way smarter than I am, believe that this list actually isn't exhaustive. Like, it's not like there's not only one, like he's listed these lists, but maybe in his bag of gifts that he gives his sons and daughters, there's actually more things that might play out in our life. He's the gift giver. He can give how he wants to give. So maybe it's like if your mom or dad, and you tell your kids, eat your vegetables, make sure you eat your broccoli and your carrots. Like, you're not saying those are the only vegetables, right? Like, they're unlimited. So maybe, maybe there's actually more here than just this. Well, the word that Paul actually uses here to talk about the gifts is, is uh, charisma, which is really where we get the word charismatic. And if you remember a few weeks back, I said we are a charismatic church, really because we believe that the gifts are still at work in the world through the people of God today. But not everybody believes that. Not every incredible, God-loving, God-fearing people, not everyone believes that. So we've learned a couple of words. Cessationist is really the belief that the gifts have stopped, that they've ceased. Like the spirit, the gifts of the spirit were necessary in the early church. So you'll find no one that knows the Lord at all. I don't think. You'll be hard pressed to find someone that didn't at least say the gifts were operated in the text. You'll, you'll see that over and over, but they believe the gift stopped now that we have the scripture, we have the word of God, that they're no longer necessary. The gifts have ceased, and we live in an, in an era today that the only proof we need is the word of God. The other camp would be the continuationism belief people that would believe the gifts of the Spirit are still available. They were early, they were available to the early church, but they still remain available today. Scripture certainly has the final authority on matters regarding the operation of those gifts, and they believe there's no evidence in Scripture that the gifts would ever cease until Jesus the perfect actually comes back. And that's what, that's what I believe. And so maybe, maybe you, like me, maybe, maybe I'm just a skeptic by nature, but, but maybe you've wondered if this is true, if it's true the gifts are still for today, why does it at least seem that the gifts are not playing out in our world as, as frequent as they did in the Scripture? And so again, I just always like to caution people, don't feel like you need to defend God. I mean, like if you instantly go, well, come to my house, we have healing every day. I'm just saying, if you read the book of Acts, like it's like it's literally every day. Like it just happens all the time. So never feel like you need to defend God. I know as Christians, like we're like, let me tell you why it's not, you know, just, just relax and take, because the reality is we just don't see it. We don't see it as much. Now we see it, but why is that? So if healing still exists, and I believe it does, why does it appear that we, at least in the West, don't see it happening at the level that it happened in the book of Acts? Well, some people have argued it's a lack of faith. 
I don't know, there's certainly some evidence in the Scriptures that could have us conclude to that. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, it says that Jesus kept, was kept from performing miracles in Nazareth. He, he didn't because that town, because of their unbelief. So I can kind of see that. But we also see Jesus performing many of miracles in the face of unbelief. In fact, it was oftentimes he performed these miracles in front of those to strengthen the belief of the unbelief culture. I think some people have even argued that the lack of miracles is a direct correlation to how self-reliant we have become as a culture. And in other parts of the world, you hear a lot more stories where they're not as much self-reliant, they're not as rich, they're not as privileged as, as we are here in the West. Miracles you read are happening on a daily basis, maybe because of their circumstances have caused them to be 100% dependent on God. There's also a bit of an argument that makes sense to me of this argument of kind of intellectualism, that maybe we've became so intellectually arrogant and we feel like we have to be able to rationalize everything, explain everything. Like we now leave no room for faith. That is the substance of things hoped for in the evidence of things unseen. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know exactly why it is that we don't see it the exact same way. Here's what I know for sure. The problem does not lie with God. The problem is not with God. The problem is with us because the river is still flowing. The river is still flowing. The river is still bringing life to the world. The river is still moving into dry and barren places. And I just think it's stopped. I think it's time for you and I to stop observing the river from the banks of the river. It's time we stop expecting someone else to step in and do the things that God has gifted and called us to do. It's time we stop worrying about what other people think about me or or what people are going to say about me. It's time we join in and jump in the river with the Spirit of God and what He's already doing. Because I'm telling you, the world needs a church that embraces what the Spirit wants to do through the operation of these gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. This is what he says. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each believer is what we're talking about there. To each is given. So for, for, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, for one. And another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another the faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish the spirits. And another various kinds of tongues. Another to interpretation of those tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions. like He does that. He decides, apportions it out to the individuals as He wills. I don't know that anyone in here has all the gifts. Like, I don't know anybody just knocking it out of the park. Like, you're just full of gifts. That's all you have is gifts. You got all the gifts. No one else got them. That's not how it works. Some get this. Some get that, etc. So I, I don't have a lot of time to, to dive deep into all the different gifts here. If you want, if you'd like to do that, I would highly recommend a book called Practicing the Power. You should write that down. Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. Incredible book about the spiritual gifts. Uh, You should buy that today. It's incredible. Easy read. Study on the spiritual gifts. But today, what I want to do is I want to kind of break these gifts up into kind of two categories. The first category is the gifts of revelation. 
gifts of revelation. So these are the gifts. Again, some of these are like, uh uh-oh, the gift of prophecy, the gift of word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, tongues and interpretation, and discerning of the spirits. So these gifts, they give us, they're, they're, they're meant to give us spiritual insight and revelation, which will help deepen our faith. And so I want to give you an example. Namely, I want to talk about prophecy today. So when we talk about the gift of prophecy that we see primarily what I'm talking about is in the New Testament. You'll find that people feel really strong in a lot of different directions around the gift of prophecy. But what I think is very clear for everyone just to be able to read the Bible, very clear in the text, the imperatives that I think are very clear in the text, that prophecy, listen to me, is something we should eagerly desire. It didn't say anything, it didn't say that about any other gift. That we should eagerly desire, it's something that's meant to build up the body, it's meant to encourage the body. So we know it's something that's verbal, it's some sort of insight that the Lord gives someone, maybe an insight could be a picture, could be a word, could be a scripture. Now, when we talk about prophecy, we know that from the Bible itself, again, particularly in the New Testament, listen to me clearly. In the New Testament, we see prophecy. It is not a thus saith the Lord type of thing. Like there's no one adding to the canonization of the scripture anymore. Like it's sealed. The, the scriptures are sealed. So we're not looking like Old Testament prophets. The New Testament, the gift, it functioned a little, a little bit different. Like it's by way of the Lord would impart a word of encouragement that the Lord has laid on the heart of the hearer. And the scriptures tell you and I that we ought to seek that earnestly. Like, we should want that. I don't know that God's going to give me that gift today, but the Bible tells me I ought to be seeking, Lord, what, do you have a word for me for my brother Craig? Like, do you have something for me? So prophecy should always be practiced with great humility. Let me show you the difference. So I've been a pastor, man, for 25 years. And so I'll be honest and say, I've gotten, I don't know, a hundred words from the Lord from somebody uh, over the years, man. Someone will always tell me what the Lord told them to tell me. So I'm just going to speak. I think it's, I think it's smart, but I'll tell you just kind of practically how it's played out for me. So I think if you feel like you have a word for somebody, I think it's a bad decision to me to go up to somebody and say, the Lord told me to say this. I'll be honest. Everything in me shuts down. I'm just like, Okay, and I have, to, I have to pry myself open. No, 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 Matt, 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 could be the Lord. Relax, relax. But I immediately begin to shut down immediately because what is that saying? I've got something from the Lord. If you don't do it, you're not, you're not obedient to him. Like that's what that says. That's what I hear. Rather, if I feel like I have a word or you have a word, to, to come to somebody humbly and to say, man, I just feel like this is what God was doing. Like, I don't know. Like, this is what I feel like God wants me to say to you. That's suddenly like, oh, okay. You are a brother or sister in Christ who love me. This happened to me a couple weeks ago. I had a lady in our church come to me. And if you didn't know this lady, I trust this woman wholeheartedly. And she brought me a word that was a bit abstract. It made unbelievable sense to me. To you, it may not have made a lot of sense because I don't think that word was for you. And so I think I preached better the next service. Like I had this word that I believe was directly from the Lord by someone who I know loves Jesus and loves me. And it was not presented in a way that you had better do this or you're not obedient. So again, I believe God wants to impart to many of us words for people, but I think you ought to present them in a way that's always humble. Listen to me, prophecy never stands in contrast to anything in the scriptures. Never. So if it ever comes like I got a word for someone and it's contrast to the Bible, you're the liar, 
right? Like if someone's lying here, it's me. If I give you a word that's not here, I'm the liar, right? So it never stands in contrast. Like we are never going to get a word from the Lord that says, I believe that God wants you to leave your marriage. That's not what the Bible says. So that's not true. And that would not be of the Lord. But it's a personal touch from the Lord to a person's heart in a given situation where the Lord just kind of reveals. I think the Lord just reveals that he sees, that he knows, that he, that he hears, that would, then that would encourage you with a word of prophecy. I think the church doesn't operate in prophecy because we've just been burned so long. Like we just, we're nervous about prophecy when, again, remember, I think I want to bring you back, 1 Corinthians 12, like it just says to earnestly seek the gifts, especially prophecy. So I don't want to scare you away from that. Let's just, let's operate in it the way the Bible talks about it. That again, it's to bring an encouragement to someone. It's not magic. It's not magic where you have these people who are hyper-spiritual, like they're varsity Christians and the rest of us aren't. Like that's not what's going on here at all. Like it's more of a gift just given to the church to build up the church in the way that a, a man or a woman that, that God spoke to would go encourage somebody that maybe then would embolden that other brother or sister in Christ just to remind them God sees you, God knows you, God is with you. So just breathe, just relax when we talk about the gift of prophecy. Because I think oftentimes, especially this gift, man, we make it super spooky and super weird, but the spiritual gifts really are really simple. It's ordinary people like you and I surrendering their lives to what God wants him to, wants to do in our lives. It's ordinary people surrendering our voices to what God wants to speak through us. It's ordinary people like you and I surrendering our minds that we might have the mind of Christ. So that's one of an example of the gift of revelation. Now there's the gift of demonstration. These gifts are faith, miracles, healing. These gifts also, their job would be to deepen our faith. They're, they serve primarily though as demonstrating the gospel to the world around us, thereby drawing others to faith. So I've talked about healing before. Let me give you two stories. I have shared both these before, but I just, I think they're applicable today. And honestly, I always get insecure when I talk about my dad because I feel like I share stuff all the time. But I want to tell you these two stories. So uh, several years ago, I got a phone call from, uh, I was kind of on the on-call pastor at my last church to go visit somebody in the hospital. And this man had been in the hospital for uh, quite some time. He was about to pass away. And quite honestly, I was going down there to kind of be with the family as he passed and really maybe to even get the ball rolling of like what happens next, et cetera. And so as I got down there, uh, prayed with the family and, and they asked me to pray for him. And so again, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I was full of faith, but obediently the text tells me to pray for the sick. And so that's what I did. So I just laid hands, gathered around this man. We prayed for him. He's incoherent. He has, I mean, he has no idea that we're there. And so I pray and I just, I just leave. Nothing crazy. I didn't jump out of bed and do a backflip. Nothing happened. Like, I just figure I'm probably going to call tomorrow. He's passed and it just is what it is. That's what God has. Like, it's okay. And so the next day I, I do get a phone call, but he says that he, he wants to talk to me. Like he's awake and he wants to talk to me. And I'm like, what? He wants to talk to me? And so literally I go down there and I, and, I, and, I, and I meet with this guy, and he's in his room, and they have all these machines taken off of him. And he's literally talking about, Matt, I, I knew you came in here last night, and I felt your hands on my arm. And he said, literally, it's what he said. His testimony said, I felt fire go through my body. And the Lord healed him. I was full of faith then. I, mean, I went up down the hall. Who else want prayer? You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I don't think I have the gift of healing and, and probably that's why the Lord wouldn't give it to me probably right there. It's incredible. So I've seen, so yeah, there's not healing today. No, well, too bad. I saw it. Like I know it's true. Like you'll never convince me it's not true. Like I saw it happen with my own eyes. And so now I am. I think my faith has been built because of that gift that I saw all happen. And so I don't know, a year or two years later, my father gets diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. He's 60 years old. He's perfect. Could not be better. At 62, he has no idea who I am. And so it happened fast. It happened really, really fast. And I was convinced because really, I think there's a lot of things that had, that had grew my faith in those last couple years. And I just began praying and, and praying for God that he would have his way. But ultimately, man, God, that you would heal him and you would restore him. And this is going to be a testimony, Lord, because I'm a pastor. I'll tell this story every day. Like, come on. Like, let's he- will you heal him, Lord? And there was a part of me, I felt like I heard the Lord say yes. Literally, I remember thinking the Lord's going to heal him. I just sensed that. I thought in my spirit that God was going to heal him. Come time for the end, and he didn't. He didn't heal him at least the way that I wanted him to be healed. Why? Why? Well, I think the hyper-charismatic would say, maybe your dad lacked faith. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. The last year, he didn't know who I was. I don't know that. I just don't see that to be in the character of my God through the, the, the lacing of the scripture. I don't see that being the character of my God. Well, then they would maybe say, well, maybe it was your lack of faith. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Because there are a number of ways in the scriptures we see how faith plays out in part to healing. But it's not always the way you think. On occasion, it's interesting, it's the faith of the person that's needing the healing is instrumental. Think about Matthew chapter 9. Remember, it's the, the woman with the issue of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She went and touches the hem of his garment. I don't know if you remember this, but she gets healed. And Jesus directly says to her, your faith has made you well. So I don't know. I mean, it seems like, yeah, there's an element of faith there. Well, at times it seems like it's the faith of a friend or even a family member. You might remember Mark too. Remember the, the paralyzed man? Those guys bring that guy in on the, 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 I don't know what they're carrying him on, some kind of mat, and they lower him through the roof. You remember what Jesus says to those brothers? Because of their faith. Looks up at the dude still on the roof. So there's, there's, there's faith there. He didn't talk about anything about the faith of the man who got healed. He talked about the faith of the brothers who brought him. Sometimes it seems like the focus is on the faith of the person praying for the one who needs healing. Remember Mark chapter 9? Jesus heals the, the demon-possessed boy. Like it doesn't work at first because the person praying doesn't have faith. And then he heals him. But in fact, in the Gospel of John, I don't see faith ever mentioned when healing happens. Ever. Like look to the Gospel of John. Every time you see healing, you don't see an element of faith. I don't know if it wasn't there, but it's, not, it's definitely not brought up in the text. Sometimes I think God, on occasion, simply heals by a sovereign act of his will, unrelated to anything in us. So I always want to approach healing full of faith. I mean, I'm positive my God can do it. I'm so positive. You can't convince me otherwise. So if you come to me and want prayer, I'm going to believe. I'm going to be full of faith. I'm going to ask God to move on your behalf. I will do all things I see in the scripture. I don't think you should try to work out some equation, this, some pragmatic equation. This plus this is now going to get me this. I wouldn't do that. But I see in the text things that happen. I see the confession of sin sometimes. I do see that. No, I'm not saying because you got cancer, you got sin in your life. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying I see in the text often 
So maybe there needs to be some sin confessed. Maybe, maybe. So I'm just going to replicate that. Because again, I don't know, I'm not God. So maybe I'll replicate that. I see people fasting in the text. So I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to do that. I will tell the Lord he is able. I see a humility in Matthew 8 that's an unbelievable. That he's just, God, you are willing. You are, you are able. I will always approach the Lord humbly. We should always approach the throne of God in regard for healing very, very humbly. I have nowhere near enough time. I'm just going to shut this down. Look at Matthew 8. Let me just go to Matthew 8 really quick. This is not in my notes at all. But I I think this is for us. Matthew chapter 8. Two things happen here. And I want you just to recognize the posture in which this is taking place. It says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. Listen to the next story. When he entered a Capernaum, a centurion's soldiers, what's happening here, came forward and said to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, Jesus said, well, come on over. I'll come to your house and I'll heal him. But the centurion replied, listen, listen, look at the posture. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be here. For I too am a man of authority. He owns a business. He, he, he runs some things. He can tell his, his, his workers, do this, and they do it. He knows he don't got to go, go, go to the job site. He tells them he's the boss. So he understands you do it and it happens, right? So that's what he's saying. I too am a man of authority. Soldiers are underneath me. When I say to one, go, he goes. He doesn't question. It, it just happens because I've, I've got this position of authority. And another come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does this. When Jesus heard this, so Jesus is marveling at the posture, I believe. He marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found with such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in a place that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the satyrian said to Jesus, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. I just think it's fascinating. I think we've got healing mixed up where we begin demanding things from God and we try to hold God hostage by a couple of verses we memorized. At the end of the day, God heals as he chooses to heal. Let's enter in with faith. Let's be full of faith. I mean, let's, let's, let's have our prayers like this, kneeling. That'd be novel. We're asking God to do something. Why wouldn't we kneel in, in this, 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 this posture of, of, of meekness and mild? We kneel before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, God, you healed everybody else. Why aren't you healing me? He doesn't say, God, it's my turn. It's my turn. I'm in this line all day. It's my turn. No, he says, if you're willing, it's you, God. If you're, if you're willing, I know you can. Like, I know you can. I'm not doubting that at all. If you will, I know you can. I think it's a beautiful posture. And then it's like the same story. Jesus said, no problem. I'll come to your house. We'll get him healed. It's easy. And he says, Lord, I am not worthy. It's a good posture, man. I'm not worthy 
could only say the word. Look at the belief he has in that guy. Look at the belief he has in Jesus. All you got to do is say the word. You don't need to come to my house. That's the kind of power you hold. Just say the word and it will be done. I think that's the posture that we need to take in healing. Here's what I would say, and I don't have any way to end this. I would say this. I think that the scriptures, what I would want us to leave this place and leave this series desiring to seek the gifts. The gifts are not a liability. They're not something that's going to to get you off. It's going to grow you closer. The Bible says to seek them earnestly. Like that we would leave this place today desiring to know what is it, God? What is it that you have me gifted with? Like what is it, God? And I want to operate in those, according to the scripture, but I want to operate in those gifts. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are God and we are not. You are the gift giver. We are not. Speak to us, God. God, create inside of us a desire, a desire to want the gifts, God, that we may operate with your Holy Spirit to ultimately bring you glory. Since your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me say this. The scandal of the Holy Spirit isn't that you speak in tongues or prophesy or healing, that miracles become the reality of your world, that you run and you shout and you dance at an altar with a flag or a tambourine. No, no, no. The scandal of the Holy Spirit is that the river flows not from a location, but from you now. So family, let's become the river and make this world a more loving place wherever we go. Yeah, let's heal the sick. Let's cast out demons. Let's live generously. Let's speak prophetically over your children's lives and show the world what it looks like to have face in the, in the face of the impossible and that we would bring life wherever we go. And I want you to hear me say this. I, I, just the whole series, I want to make sure I flatten the gifts. I don't want you to think these gifts are for the hyper-spiritual. These gifts are forever. The invitation is for everyone. It's for the single mom who feels like she's drowning in a to-do list this week. The gifts are for you. It's for the college student that feels like they've never felt more alone in their life. The gifts are for you. The gifts are for the mom, the dad, the uncle, the aunt, the grandma, the grandpa who feels maybe their family's falling apart. The gifts are for you. The invitation is for everyone to come to that river and become the river and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. Maybe you would say this today. The ultimate gift is the gift of salvation. If you don't know the Lord, but you want to, man, you feel like there's something that God spoke to you today. Man, you just desire to have a relationship with him, but that's you today. Man, you've never said yes to Jesus. Man, it'd be an honor to pray with you. If that's you, you slip up your hand. Man, today's my day. I want, I want to receive him. Holy Spirit, work into my life right now. Why don't we all pray this prayer together as a, as a family? Pray this way. Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.